This is Fred Rachani of TSC News right here on MNN2 Manhattan Neighborhood Network. It is WWE Payback Preview Week. We are also going to be chatting with Ring of Honor wrestling commentator Ian Riccoboni. We're going to be talking to Scott Anderson about some fast WWE Payback facts. But first, let's check out what's on the WWE Payback card. We have Randy Orton, or as some fans have called him, Randy Borton, versus Bray Wyatt in a House of Horrors match for the WWE Championship. I have no idea what a House of Horrors match is, but surely it can't be worse than the WrestleMania match, can it? Can it? I mean, the WrestleMania match had a projection screen on top of the ring, or a projection on the ring, on the canvas itself that was used as a projection screen that featured roaches, maggots, worms, and grasshoppers. And we are just a couple days away from this pay-per-view, and we have no idea what a House of Horrors match is. That doesn't bode well. And what also doesn't bode well is that if Randy Orton wins the WWE Championship match, he keeps the WWE Championship, which is great, until you find out he has to defend it at the next pay-per-view next month at Backlash against, of all people, Jinder Mahal, who has won, I think, two or three matches out of 50-something since August. Look it up. And the undercard is somewhat underrated, too. I mean, you got Austin Aries versus Neville for the Cruiserweight title. Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. Not a bad card at all. If you really try to psychoanalyze WB booking, uh, unfortunately, more often than not, it does not make sense. Anyway, one feud that does make sense is Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. That should be an awesome matchup. It's a rematch of their WB Fastlane Classic. And we have... Alexa Bliss, Bailey for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. We also have an in-depth chat with Ian Riccoboni. He is the author of 100 Greatest Phillies. He is a former baseball journalist, a former baseball standout right here in New York, New York University, and he is now one of the voices of Ring of Honor Wrestling. We're going to talk about his career, baseball, and, of course, everything going on in the world of ROH. Check it out. Ian, how's everything going? Uh, couldn't be better. You know, I, I just signed uh, my very first contract with Ring of Honor, and I'm excited that, um, you know, they've extended a, a commitment uh, that reciprocates the one I've extended to them. And, of course, coming up, we have six amazing events, all within the next two and a half weeks, three weeks or so, including some of the stars of New Japan. So I'm just <laughs> professionally, I'm at, I'm at a nine. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I, I can't wait. And it's been such a thrill to uh, to become the you know the, one of the television voices of Ring of Honor. And you have a very unique backstory. You're a guy who went to NYU. Uh, from mm-hmm. what I understand, you did play baseball and were pretty damn good at it. You <laughs> did cover the Phillies for a number of years, I believe, for USA Today. Um, so for Phillies Nation, but we won the uh, USA Today top blog uh, two of the years I was there. So and that's top blog across all of baseball. Wow. So very, very proud of that. <laughs> so you go go from that to writing a book on the greatest Phillies of all time to Ring of Honor Wrestling. So what came first for you growing up and in terms of, you know, looking down the road 10 years from now when you were little Ian, a career <laughs> in professional wrestling or a career doing something in baseball? Well, you know, my brother, uh, Bill, is the one who really fostered my love for baseball. And he, a uh, diehard Phillies fan, loved Lenny Dykstra, 
Um, he loved Darren Dalton, loved Dave Holland. So that era of Phillies um, was something that he and I really watched together and shared together. Um, but he also got a kick out of the fact that I really liked pro wrestling. So um, the first event I remember seeing was WrestleMania six. And I remember going over to my mom friend's Carol's house um, where they were ho- you know, hosting a pay-per-view party. So back then the pay-per-views were $24.99 or $34.99. And it was so expensive, considered so expensive that everybody would pile into one house. So we we went over to Carol's house and I was just, you know, I had been a fan. I had magazines. I had some some of the, the LJN action figures. Um, but to that point, you know, that was the very first sort of concrete memory I have. And uh, I remember getting the videotape then at a store called James Way that doesn't even exist anymore. And then, you know, seeing WrestleMania 7. And by the time WrestleMania 7 was over, I was getting the magazines, the action figures, things like that. And my brother thought it was hilarious. He used to dress me up like um, like Axe and Smash of Demolition. He used to paint my face. Um, my sister would uh, dress me up like the Macho Man. She would tie like a, a blanket around my neck and, and give me a Burger King crown and try and dress me up like the Macho King. So we had a lot of fun. And so they both kind of fostered, you know, grew one another together. You know, I, I spent my summers playing wiffle ball. And uh, with my brother and, um, you know, those two things kind of went hand in hand for a while. Like, I can't think of my childhood without thinking of baseball and wrestling. Um, But it's interesting how it all kind of came together because uh, we started out or I started out, came out of NYU and I had done some MTV stuff and it was pretty bad. Like, I hope no one ever finds it. But the the thing that that I wanted to do is I, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be on TV. My friend Chris Freed, who's starting to get some some run on some cable news shows as like a, a, a comic pundit, um, he started a, a public access show in Allentown called Hump Night with Chris Freed. From there, I actually started writing for the Phillies blog, Phillies Nation. And then uh, we had a vlog and I had some connections at the public access station in Allentown. So what we did was we connected the folks we knew from Service Electric and uh, and Pat Gallen, who's now an Emmy winning any Emmy winning sports broadcaster. Uh, made those connections and uh, got the show on public access. Well, from there, it gets picked up by Comcast Sportsnet. Um, from there, I, st- I interviewed the Blue Meanie at the Monster Factory, and I, I asked a dumb question, like, how does my friend who might be interested in doing this get involved? Uh, Danny Cage at the Monster Factory says, tell your friend to to come in, in gym shorts and learn how to put together and set up the ring and tear it down and help out at the events and then start coming around in a suit. And so I followed his directions to a T, um, Kevin Kelly came in to scout for wrestling talent, and um, sure enough, on that day, I wore uh, wore my suit. And we were doing interviews, things like that. He said, "Guy in the suit, stand up and sell me some tickets for tonight's event." And um, yeah, sure enough, you know, I I got out my my spiel, uh, hit my time cues. I did it again. I hit another time cue. Uh, from there, I was invited to start coming around. And um, you know, if it wasn't for guys like Danny Cage, uh, Blue Meanie, Kevin Kelly, and Brutal Bob Evans. Um, I wouldn't be involved with Ring of Honor. So uh, kind of amazing trajectory. It, it took a bit, though. You know, it, the public access show was seven years ago already, which I can't believe. Um, and it's funny because you think by, you know, I had such a weird start where I accidentally got casted on some things for MTV and, and some other things happened. Just all kinds of weird things. Um, I tried to say yes to everything because I never knew what kind of experience I'd get uh, from from the event or, or from the the task ahead of me. And so it was a long and winding path, but but man, I'm I'm happy to be there in the in the uh, announcer share at Ring of Honor. 
That, that's pretty awesome. Now, I would imagine being a wrestling fan, being a person that's followed wrestling for a long time, coming from the world of baseball, being very successful in, in baseball journalism, uh, there were some things you probably expected and didn't expect. One thing I think all of us can expect, whether you're a wrestler or not, if you're new to this, is checking your ego at the door, having to pay your dues. Uh, besides having to set up the ring, what were some other growing pains you had to go through uh, in order to rise up the ranks and get noticed by Ring of Honor? Well, you know, I, Ring of Honor is, has always been a, a real nice environment, a real great locker room. And if, you know, if somebody kind of gives you the in, uh, like Kevin did for me, or or even once I got to know uh, some folks like the Briscoes or Christopher Daniels or um, guys like me and, and Dalton Castle and Donovan Dijak, um, we all kind of broke in at the same time. So, uh, you know, we were uh, very friendly with one another as well. So it, it really it was kind of, um, you know, at the Monster Factory, it's a it's a school, it's a learning environment. But what you would see is, you know, Danny treats it like a business and he he treats it like um, you're learning people skills, life skills, things like that. And it was a real uh, we're only as good as our worst person mindset. And I think that's a great way to be. And so uh, we were never satisfied until, you know, the the person that might be earliest in development uh, was brought up to to a higher level. So, you know, it, thankfully for me, um, in haven't been involved in in anything, you know, other than standard set up the ring, uh, you know, to tear down the ring, set up some barricades, tear down the barricades, put up the chairs, tear down the chairs. Um, but I did that for, for Ring of Honor for a while, too. Uh, when I came in, uh, I was tapped to call the the Future of Honor shows. So at the time, in 2014, um, they were going to start some shows uh, called Future of Honor. Now we do it Future of Honor Fridays every YouTube or on, on YouTube every Friday. And, um, you know, at the time, I wanted to show I was a team player. I wanted to show that I uh, I was willing to to kind of help out and and work work for my spot and um, you know so sure enough you know call time was two o'clock but I'd be there at eight a.m. set up the chairs to break down to you know do things like that and um, you know I I once drove uh, about sixteen hours uh, to Kalamazoo Michigan uh, for one match and um, you know things like that and that's because I wanted it. It wasn't because anything was promised. It wasn't because anything was assumed, um, but things like that. So there was never any kind of hazing or, or breaking in or things like that. Um, but we were only as ever good as, as the, uh, the least experienced person on the team, whether that was an announcer, referee or a wrestler. So that mindset was kind of drilled in very early um, by Danny Cage at the Monster Factory. And then um, I tried to take that with me to Ring of Honor. Would you say that's what separates the Monster Factory and also the ROH Dojo from other wrestling schools? Uh, I get a lot of young wrestlers or spying wrestlers all the time to ask us when we cover events and everything, you know, oh, where's a good school? I can't necessarily afford to, you know, go to Calgary to train at Landstorm or go across the country to train with another round guy. And I, I tell people all the time, I mean, you have Ring of Honor and you have the Monster Factory right here. <laughs> As a guy that's been kind of a product of both, what is the best benefits of going to one of these schools? Oh, uh, you know, just the the level of experience. So I'll give you I'll give you my favorite part about Danny Cage, for instance, at the Monster Factory. Um, Danny will be the first one to tell you that his professional wrestling career probably amounted to about 50 or so matches. Um, and it's something that he wishes maybe was a little bit different. Um, but injuries and family and real life gets in the way. Um, but he was a guy that has enough passion, enough drive to go ahead and to immerse himself, become the mentee of, of the uh, recently deceased Larry Sharp and really go under his wing and he purchased the Monster Factory from him. And he's a guy that, despite sometimes his hard-headedness to some, sometimes his, his bullheaded nature, 
Um, he's a guy that always knows that if he doesn't know something, there's someone that does. And he'll be the first to admit he might not know it. But when I started, he brought in guys like the Headbangers, who'd been been there, done that. Uh, Cliff Compton, Brutal Bob Evans, Kevin Kelly, Gerald Briscoe, guys that that have seen the wrestling world, been there, done that. Les Thatcher, Rip Rogers, Dr. Tom Pritchard. I mean, within my first year in wrestling, these were all guys that came to the Monster Factory. Jay Lethal was another guy he arranged to have come in. Um, and the list goes on and on. He does these amazing super camps now. And, you know, just a great guy. And he's a guy that always looks out for his students. He's selfless, leaves the ego at the door. We mentioned that earlier, and that's true of Danny Cage. Um, it can also be said about the guys at the ROH Dojo. So Delirious, is um, he's the head trainer with uh, Cheeseburger, Will Ferrara. And think about, you know, some of the guys that come in and, and train there and have trained there. So a lot of the guys you see on TV and a lot of the guys who are breaking in right now train at the ROH Dojo. Um, and just, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to a place like the Monster Factory who has guys on just about every major television, wrestling television show or Ring of Honor where you're literally one step away from being on Ring of Honor television. So it, I think of it as... If you're trying to get a job as a nurse and you know there's specific qualifications um, to become a nurse and you know that you want to work for a specific hospital that has even slightly varied qualifications, why wouldn't you go to the school that teaches those exact specifications if you want, you know, if you want your career to take you there? So um, definitely the Monster Factory, definitely the ROH Dojo. Those are the two premier uh, training grounds in the world. And the amazing thing is um, you'll notice the crossover between the two. So uh, Shaheem Ali, LSG, uh, you know, Cheeseburger, Will Ferrara, there are guys that go back and forth um, and share share the knowledge. Punishment Martinez uh, is a guy who's, uh, you know, one of the, the, the big up and coming competitors for Ring of Honor, but also an amazing trainer. So, you know, that's that's my sales pitch for those two, because, uh, you know, I think I don't want to say you're wasting your time anywhere else because other schools have great track records, too, and great trainers. But in my experience, uh, those are the two places to be. We'll be back with part two of our interview with Ian. But for now, let's get to the WWE Payback Preview Fast Facts with Scott Anderson, who thankfully isn't in black and white like he was a couple weeks ago and not incapacitated like he was last week. All right, Scott, the uh, legit boss of TSC News, who has recovered from his uh, tire snafu last week. What have you got for us in terms of fast facts? Fast payback facts. First of all, Fred, I want to mention, these are my daughters. The Easter Bunny brought them, so believe that if you want. I'll put that in quotation marks. Anyway, payback. It was a pay-per-view created to replace what was the No Way Out pay-per-view back in June of 2013. Two out of the first four years, this pay-per-view was held in Chicago, Illinois, which always brings a great crowd. The first ever payback main event featured three stages of hell with Ryback and John Cena. How's about the WWE Championship? All three times it's been defended on the show, it was successfully defended. The only time a world title has changed is when Alberto Del Rio defeated Dolph Ziggler for the World Heavyweight Championship, which also featured the double turn, if you remember that, a couple years ago. Here's the fun fact for you, though. Everybody knows all those facts. Did you know three out of the first four paybacks, Curtis Axel was featured on those pay-per-views? What? Scott, fun, useful, at times useless facts as always. Thanks so much, legit boss, Scott Anderson. Legit boss. And now, 
back to our interview with Ian Riccoboni of ROH Wrestling. What's the biggest misconception about being a commentator? Oh, <laughs> I think the biggest misconception is you, you get to show up um, maybe a half hour before things start rolling, uh, do your job and then go home, <laughs> um, which is, you know, which is interesting. You know, it's it's amazing how fun it is to be around everybody, whether it was the Monster Factor or now Ring of Honor. Um, they're just great guys. And I think that, you know, becoming a dad recently um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to show up, do my job and go home because there's there's other dads. The Young Bucks are dads. Silas Young's a dad. Shane Taylor's a dad. Um, just guys I, I've talked to Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish hasn't given me invaluable fatherly advice um, and maybe not something you expected to hear in this interview. But, uh, you know, just something uh, that really jumps out. But, you know, there's preparation. Um, there is. Uh, you want to make sure, obviously, you know everybody, their backgrounds, their moves, things like that. Uh, but you want to also make sure that that you jog your memory from what happened on maybe the last pay-per-view or the last television show or, you know, get a good sense of, of where you're at and where you're going. Um, so I think the biggest misconception is that, you know, the best can just come in and, and just sit down a half hour before um, the cameras are rolling and, and just go to work and then go home. So. It's a little bit different, a um, little bit different than that. There's a lot of pre-work that goes in. Um, there's a lot of conversations that go in. Um, and I try and talk to the wrestlers a lot, too, because that can really help you know, establish who they are. Um, if they have a direction in mind or if they have something in mind, um, I may be able to help uh, communicate their vision uh, through the microphone. Is there anybody right now that's on the rise that you think we should really keep an eye on? Not asking you to pick favorites, obviously you got to be impartial, but are, are there a, a couple of guys and girls that you've seen that have really made leaps and bounds over the last year? Yeah, Deanna Perrazzo. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, girls because Deanna Perrazzo, uh, for me, and, and I know you're from, from Jersey, uh, for me, Deanna Perrazzo, she's from New Jersey, just the total package. Um, 2015, her goal was to wrestle 100 matches. She did it. Um, she's wrestled in 40 states. Um, she's very, very young, very, very determined. Um, she is someone who has unlimited potential. Every time I see her, she gets better. Uh, she just competed over in Stardom, uh, the premier women's organization in the world. So she's bringing back everything she learned in Stardom uh, to Women of Honor. And Women of Honor looks at Stardom as a company that um, they, we aspire to be. So Diana Peraza definitely for sure is someone that sticks out, as is Kelly Klein. Um, on the guy's side, <laughs> this is really tough to pick. I mean, uh, Marty Skrull, the world television champion, his record speaks for itself. Uh, Jay White, another guy who was undefeated for nine months, um, a guy that really jumps off the page to me. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, a guy we just signed. And, you know, I love uh, I love our tag teams. We have the deepest tag team division uh, in the world by far. So, you know, I really like the teams like the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, of course, definitely very established, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But um, there's somebody I like to watch. And don't uh, don't forget about Matt Taven, Vinny Marcellia, and TK Orion. Uh, I know TK had uh, had a clean break of his leg on pay-per-view, but um, very resilient guy. He also was a college baseball player. Uh, he played at the College of the Holy Cross. Um, he was a lot better than I was. <laughs> he played Division One, did very, very well as a catcher. And uh, those three young men, I think, uh, could go very far in Ring of Honor. Of course, uh, Matt Taven, he's got a world title shot coming up as well. There's one guy who I consider the OG of Ring of Honor, 
Christopher Daniels. He's a guy that has been with Ring of Honor since the beginning. He was a cornerstone of Ring of Honor, a cornerstone of TNA. Before Ring of Honor and TNA, he was a cornerstone of the independents, one of the original top independent wrestlers in the world that helped pave the way for other guys. And here he is, I think, what, 47 years old now, the current Ring of Honor world champion, still going strong. Can you describe the feeling in the arena and in the locker room when Christopher Daniels finally, after all these years, after having such superb work over the years, becoming world champion? Yeah, so every time there's a world title match, I, I prepare a call uh, for each of the competitors, and I try and formulate in my mind how I might call um, the winner. And this was something that, that Kevin uh, Kevin Kelly had passed down to me as a piece of advice. And um, you know, with Chris, uh, I had something for Adam Cole, I had something for Christopher Daniels the week before in Manhattan Mayhem, I had something for Bobby Fish. Um, with Christopher Daniels, I had something prepared and then um, just different words came out. It was a little bit rawer. It was a little bit realer. Um, and I think that was the general sentiment. I thought with the fans and the crowd, you saw raw, you saw real, um, you saw a genuine, genuine attachment um, to the, this man that they've known for 15 years. They've seen they've seen him grow. Uh, it, over the years, first main event in Ring of Honor uh, to the main event at 15th anniversary. And it just, it was something out of this world. You know, that was only my second world title match I've called. And um, I was a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> I was a little bit overcome. And, and you know, when Chris got to the back, when, when CD got to the back with the world championship, um, it was something that, you know, everybody, it just no words. Um, everybody just locked eyes like a tractor beam and just went in for hugs. It was just, there were very few words spoken because I think the only way to kind of capture the emotion and capture what everybody was feeling was to just grab him and squeeze him. So, you know, for someone like Christopher Daniels to finally get to the top of the mountain, uh, 23 year career, 15 years in ring of honor. Um, I'm thankful to be a part of it. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now that could possibly top that in my professional career. Now, before we let you go, we got a lot going on in the world of Ring of Honor. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, you know, we have six shows coming up, and um, they're all going to be amazing. Friday, uh, we're going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for ROH Unauthorized, which is uh, shaping up to be just an amazing card. Um, you'll see all the stars of Ring of Honor there. And then uh, the next night, we go to Hopkins, Minnesota, right in the suburbs of uh, the Twin Cities. Always big there for Ring of Honor. Um, and we'll see Masters of the Craft. And, and there's going to be some really cool first-time matchups there. I know a lot of people are looking at War of the Worlds. Uh, but the main events, the Addiction, uh, they're going to be taking on the the Young Bucks in a non-title match. Um, we'll also see the rubber match, the, the third match between the Briscoes and the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, I mentioned Matt Taven earlier. He takes on Adam Cole, which should be uh, just a fantastic match. We know the history there. Um, and so many more great things. Punishment Martinez, proud product of the Monster Factory. He goes one-on-one -on -one against Jay White, which is actually probably the match I'm looking forward to the most out of this whole upcoming stretch we have. Um, and then the following week, uh, we kick off the War of the World Store, and this is going to be something else. I mean, tickets um, – at the time we're, you know, at this time right now, they're just about sold out. So if you're interested in tickets, you got to go on ROHwrestling.com and get them. We're going to be in Toronto, the Ted Reeve Arena. Um, you're going to see stars like Kushida and Tetsuya Naido, former IWGP World Champion, their heavyweight champion. 
currently the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, they're going to be there. ROHwrestling.com for the full list of stars. And uh, a big main event announced for uh, for Dearborn, Michigan. That's Wednesday. So we go from Toronto to Dearborn, Matt Tave and Christopher Daniels. Um, that Friday night's going to be the pay-per-view live from the Manhattan Center's Hammerstein Ballroom. And uh, we believe uh, the winner of Christopher Daniels versus Matt Taven will be defending that championship in the main event. And then the stars of Ring of Honor and New Japan battle once more uh, this calendar year on uh, Sunday, the I believe it's the 14th. Yep, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Uh, the 2300 Arena is the place that's going to be a national, international television taping. I uh, can't forget our friends in Canada and Portugal. So uh, really looking forward to those. And if you've never seen Ring of Honor, you know, we have a lot of fans, about a million fans every week tune in to see Ring of Honor. If you've never been there live, it's uh, it's an experience to behold. It's not a cliche when we say fast-paced, hard-hitting, in-your-face action of Ring of Honor, because that's what it is. And it's it's just this immersive environment. Um, it's welcoming to all fans, young and old. And we have the best wrestlers on the planet, the best athletes on the planet in Ring of Honor. Um, look no further. Supercard of Honor, 3,600. We turned away people at the door in Lakeland, Florida on a night that some folks said we couldn't. So, you know, we are on an amazing roll right now, and that's all thanks to the fans. You know, the six events coming up, um, big advanced ticket sales before we even announced a match. So I'm just I just want to give a personal thank you to the fans that make that happen. The same fans that watch ROH every each and every week. And because uh, I wouldn't be here and the wrestlers wouldn't be here without you. So um, just want to give those give all the fans a shout out. And uh, I'm really looking forward to to hopping on a plane and, and going to Milwaukee. So, well, Ian, we really appreciate the time. One more thing before we let you go: you've had a tremendous amount of success at such a young age. I, I definitely see big things for you, even bigger things for you in the in the future. But what's one piece of advice you leave folks that hope to have similar success that you had in baseball and pro wrestling? Um, when I was when I was 18, I got into or 19. I got into a scooter accident. Yes, a, a moped, a Vespa, and I lost my teeth. I got all scraped up, and I was in Florida with my parents, and in the middle of nowhere in Ocala, Florida, Fort McCoy. And I started writing letters to folks, and I asked the same thing. And I asked Harry Callis uh, what kind of advice he would give. Um, Harry Callis is a longtime Phillies broadcaster in the Hall of Fame, um, and he said, "Always do your homework and be yourself." And that has always resonated with me. And if it's something that I could pass along um, to somebody who maybe in my position or in a position I was looking um, and aspiring to be a broadcaster, I would say the same thing. But um, I accidentally blurted out something at the last Ring of Honor camp um, that I didn't even know until a fellow named Plunkett, Plunkett the Ogre, mentioned it. Um, and he he recited it back to me. He said, Ian, you gave you gave me some good advice. Um be yourself and, and work hard and be a nice guy. <laughs> so um, Christopher Daniels, Dalton Castle, these are guys that, that are nice guys. They work hard. Um, they treat the wrestlers, the fans, uh, the media with respect. And in turn, they get it back. And I think that them being authentic, them being real folks, them being true, uh, uh, you know, true people uh, really resonates with the fans. And so if I had any piece of advice to give, um, be nice and, and, and work hard uh, because then things start to break your way. So, 
We're going to get on out of here, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the sports courier, soundcloud.com slash TSC news for all our podcasts. You can follow us at sports courier on Twitter at TSC news on Instagram. You name it. We got it until next time, everybody, as always enjoy the match.